Hey guys, welcome again to church. Glad you're here. Let me tell you a quick story. There was a man named Robert Lamb. This was years ago. He was a commercial fisherman. Um, and one day, he thought it was his lucky day. He realized through some information that there was an abandoned yacht, 100 miles adrift off the, off the coast. And first come, first serve. Whoever put their hands on it makes the claim. And so he, with a couple of his buddies, set out and tried to get this thing. Uh, they searched for a long time, couldn't find it. The problem was is that the sea was rough, and a rogue wave hit their boat, capsized it. His two friends that he was with drowned. He somehow survived, got up on top of the water, grabbed onto a piece of, of debris, and floated literally all night. Now, the Coast Guard got a distress signal and launched a C-130 to try to find him. All night they searched. They couldn't find him at all. They launched another C-130 to relieve that one, and they searched and they searched and they searched. And just when they were getting ready to give up, one of the young the, the Coast Guard guys on the aircraft lowered the ramp on the back of the aircraft and laid down flat so he could see the ocean straight down and looked, and it was just about that time that he spotted him and found this guy who was floating, and literally his life was on the line. They were getting ready to call off the search, and they found him, and they called in a rescue boat, and they, they saved Robert Lamb's life. Uh, and I got to be honest, if I can't imagine what it would be like to be that young Coast Guard guy that was the one that lowered the ramp and looked down, and because of his efforts, this guy got saved. Like, his, his literal life was on the line. I mean, can you imagine if he had been like, well, it's getting kind of late, we're having ribs for supper, and I kind of don't want to be late for that, so let's let's call off the search. Could, can you imagine if, if that's what it was like? No, this guy's life was on the line. And if, if you're any type of emergency worker, time goes out the window when it comes to saving someone's life. It, you do whatever you have to do. It's, it's so important. It becomes priority number one. And when you think about it, like literally what could be more important in life than saving somebody's physical life? Like, everything else just kind of goes out the window. You would have stayed, and you would have done whatever it took to save someone's life. Would you agree with that? It's just part of who we are. Do you realize that there are people all around us lost without God? And their physical lives might not be in danger because they're not stranded in an ocean somewhere. But church, their souls are lost. And they're in need of God, need of saving not only do they have pain and sorrows that God wants to help heal and turn it for joy while they're here on this earth, but I, I want to tell you something that's not popular, that there is a place called hell, and it's real, and it's not made for human beings. It's made for Satan and his demons, but the Bible says that because of sin, hell is a real place, but there's a remedy called Jesus Christ, and he loved us so much he came to die for us, and if we accept that and live for him, and the Bible says when we repent and believe that he is the Son of God, that we'll be saved. And there's souls all around us, literally, I want you to think about this. Souls are the only thing that live forever. And there's thousands of people all around you. Their souls are going to live somewhere forever. And without God, it's an eternity in hell. Now, I want you to listen to me. If feeling better about our problems was the only thing that God was concerned with, then there's a million and one things he could have given us to solve that. A lot of us are facing lots of trials and, and things on this planet right now. You're going through it, and it hurts. And if God was interested in just relieving that, he could have done a million and one other things. That's not the problem that he came to solve. 
He came to solve the sin problem. The problem after you leave this planet, where is your eternity going to spend? Uh, where is your soul going to spend eternity? If he, he, he came to die for the sin problem. He, he came to die for your sins, to pay the penalty so that when we accept that and when we live for him, hell gets taken off the table. And the truth is there are people in your life and mine who haven't accepted that. And as a Christian, I just want to ask you, how passionate are you about seeking those out and telling them the good news of Jesus Christ? And being an example, how passionate are you about reaching them? And I kind of started strong this morning because this series is leading up to Easter. And it's called Chain Reaction. When you accept Jesus and you begin to live your life for him, you've been given something powerful. Do you believe that? You haven't just modified a few behaviors. You've accepted an invitation from the Son of God to go on a journey. And you have the power within you because of Jesus Christ. You have power from God inside of you for life change. The power to find real and lasting joy and peace. Now, can you imagine that God would give a gift like that and expect you just to keep it to yourself? And so we're, we're leading up to Easter with this series, and we're going to talk about your invite kits in just a minute. But the point is this, this, this series is for the church. It's to talk about, you know, there are people around you that are lost and dying. And one of the practical things we're going to do is we're going to invite people to church here. That's not the only thing we're going we're gonna to do, and we're going to talk about it in a minute. But it's leading up to Easter for that very point. I, I've seen over and over again how, how God changes people's lives. And, and, and God, he wouldn't do that for us just to keep it to ourselves. Y- years ago, I was introduced to peanut butter pie. Anybody ever had that? I mean, this side of heaven, I don't know what's better, okay? It was so good, I watched family and friends circulate the recipe like wildfire. Have you had peanut butter? Are you bringing peanut butter pie? Oh, if you haven't had peanut butter pie, you have to have peanut butter. Any peanut butter lovers in the house today, I'm going to raise both my hands. I literally ate a cup of oatmeal on the way uh, to church this morning with peanut butter in it. Driving was my main priority, in case you're worried, uh, but I did. I, I love peanut butter. And, and we, we pass around this recipe for peanut butter pie like it's, like it's the best thing ever. And, and yet, we, we have this hope for our salvation in Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, and, and somehow that gets put on a back burner, the joy of knowing God. How, how can that be any less important than peanut butter pie? When we accept the gift of Jesus, we become a beacon of hope for other people. And I've seen over and over again how God will change somebody's life. And then the people that they have influence in, the people around them, they'll see this, this change in their life. And they'll, they'll want what they have. And so they'll share it. And then, and then they accept Jesus. And then their life begins to change. And then other people begin to see it. And they're like, well, I want what you have. And then, and then they do the same thing. And they share their faith. And it becomes this chain reaction. I've seen whole families change like this. I mean families that, that they, they're first-generation Christians, and one person gives their life to Jesus Christ and begins to make a change. And the power of God becomes so influential inside of them that literally one by one, whole families begin to change. They begin living out their faith. They begin sharing their faith. It's not a one-and-done. It's a chain reaction. What if we lived like this as Christians? It sounds kind of funny that I, I ask that question as if somehow it, it's escaped us. Because it's really the main function of what Jesus told us to do. Share our faith. And I think a big stumbling block when it comes to sharing our faith, can I just get real with you for a minute? I'm talking to myself too, is that we look at sharing our faith as an option and not a command. Jesus, right before he went back up to heaven, 
uh, he was, had done everything he was going to do on earth. He died. He rose from the grave, and he's standing at the place that he's literally getting ready to ascend and go back up. And his disciples are sitting there with him, and he's getting ready to tell them something. It's kind of like the last thing that you, you, you say right before you leave. And that's really the most important thing that we say. If you ever go on a long trip, and you're getting ready to kind of sum up everything for your kids or for your spouse or for someone you love, it's the most important thing you say right there, Right? Jesus is getting ready to do this, and in Matthew 28, verse 18, he says, he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He, he lived perfectly, he died perfectly, and then he rose from the grave perfectly. He's the only one that's worthy to be able to say that, and he did. If someone with that kind of authority speaks, listen to the next thing that they say. It's going to be important. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. That was the command. Don't keep it to yourself, what I've given you. Go and make disciples. So then time goes on. If you read in Acts chapter 2, you see how the first church begins to start. And Peter goes out, and he does all these things. He, he preaches, and then 3,000 people, because of the power of God inside of him, come to know a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says they begin to meet with each other, and they begin to love each other. And, and all these things begin to happen in the church. And then there's something else that begins to happen. If you read in Acts 2, 47, it says, And the Lord, listen, added to their number daily those who were being saved they they weren't just keeping it to themselves they were doing something so incredibly influential that every single day people were coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ they were sharing their faith they weren't keeping it to themselves they they were they kind of starting this chain reaction one by one one after the other Later in the New Testament scriptures, Paul echoed Jesus' command to a man named Philemon. In chapter 1, verse 6, he says, I, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective, acknowledging every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. And then Peter, one of the 12 disciples in 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. We see it all through the New Testament. Even in the Old Testament, in Psalm 96, 2, it says, Sing out his praise, speaking of God. Bless his name. And then listen, each day, tell somebody that he saves. Don't keep it to yourself. When we have Christ in our hearts, church, we are supposed to share our faith. Jesus came to this earth, and he died for that. That anyone who puts their faith in him would be saved. It's not an option. It's a command. Can you imagine a, a relay race in the Olympics? Two, two countries, they're just battling it out, and the, and the gun goes off, and the first two guys just take off really fast, and they've got the batons, and, and they're sprinting because they're only running, you know, like one-fourth of the track, so they're giving it everything they've got, and, and they've trained for it, and they round the first curve, and, and the two guys that are waiting are sitting down. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I mean, think about that for a minute. And they're sitting there, and they're like eating a protein bar. And, and they're like, you know what, I, I just need to do what my body needs right now, and right now, I need protein, you know? It's like, take your protein bar and get off the track. You're not useful with this. And I think sometimes that's, that's what we do as Christians. We're supposed to be taking what we have in Jesus Christ in our lives and living in such a way that we're ready to give it away, ready to go. And the sad reality is... If we're not careful, we, we come into the church building every week and it never enters our minds that we're supposed to be able to share what we have in Jesus with other people. And, and, and look, I'm, I'm in the, the same boat. I'm a human being. I am tempted to do the same kind of stuff. 
I come in and I can make it about this gathering here and about making sure that all everything's ready to go, making sure that the chairs are nice. And we think about serving, you know, in different ministries and that becomes everything that it is. That stuff's important and it has its place and it's vitally critical to you and to this church and to our, the way we uh, minister to one another. But it can't take the place of us living out our Christian faith in such a way that we're ready to share our faith with other people that don't yet know Jesus. Can somebody say amen to that? Years ago, there was a, a famous story. It's a true story. Uh, in London, England, uh, the bus system there, uh, apparently buses were driving right past prospective passengers. And passengers were getting left, and, and they complained. And people started complaining enough to where the company actually put out a response. And this is what the bus company said verbatim. We understand and sympathize with your frustration. However, it's impossible for us to maintain our schedules if we're always having to stop and pick up passengers. <laughs> and as ridiculous as that sounds, that's how we live as Christians, just like that. We're so busy with the stuff of life that people just don't matter. I mean, we, we walk around doing things, but are they things that eternally matter? Are, are there things that we in, instinctively, spiritually, and strategically put in front of us because they matter eternally? Or are we taking the eternal things and substituting them for the temporal things, the urgent things, but not the important things? And that's why Jesus gave us a specific mission. That's why this, the last thing he said before he took, took off to heaven was make disciples. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then he said, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. But he said, go, go and make disciples. That's, that's literally what the term Christian means, little Christs. We're being Christ-like. And some, you know, were wonderful, wonderfully effective at that. But others struggle with it. In fact, there are several reasons why, why we don't share our faith as Christians. And we're going to talk about a lot of things in this series uh, called Chain Reaction. We're going to talk about how to be in close proximity so you're ready to share your faith. We're going to talk about how to, how to communicate it clearly and how to communicate it in such a way where you have maximum impact in your life, living out this commission that Jesus gave us. But today, I, I want to talk to you about how to be highly potent, how to be a potent Christian. I mean, you're, you're just on fire for God in such a way, whether you've just given your life to Christ or whether you've had you know, your life in Jesus for years and years and years, you can still be a highly potent Christian ready to share your faith. Did you know that? It's, it's impossible for God to put his power inside of you, which the Bible says happens at the moment you repent and believe in him, and you not be effective. That's like saying the power of God is, can't, can't work in me. What a slap in the face to God that is. If, you're, if you've just given your life to Christ, or you've given your life to Christ recently, and you, the feelings of, you know, I just don't have what it takes, that's, that's like saying God's power isn't effective. So I want us to understand, we can all be highly potent Christians. And today, I just kind of want to tackle uh, some of the big reasons why we don't share our faith. Can we do that? And the goal is to kind of curb that, to change our minds when it comes to this. Identify where we are and make a change. Are you ready to go? All right, here we go. Some of us, the, the issue is this, and I think we all can identify with it. It's a lack of confidence. We lack confidence. We get so worried that we're going to mess up when it comes to sharing our faith that Satan shuts our mouths completely. And we don't make the commitment to share our faith. And, and, and it's not a matter of if you're going to get a question that you can't answer. It's when. You will get a question from somebody that is either challenging you or somebody that wants to know more and, and you don't know the answer. Listen, you don't have to know every answer. 
In fact, the Bible says that we can't even begin to fathom the depths of God's wisdom and knowledge. So sometimes I like to look at people and go, you know what? I don't know the answer to that, but I can find it out. And that's where we need to live. Um, people really, they're, they're genuinely concerned about their eternities. People are hungry to know who God is. Sometimes they don't even realize it, but they're hurting. And the reason is because they have a deep spiritual void in them, but they're trying to fill it with other things that could never satisfy. Uh, did you know one of the most commonly asked questions by human beings, I didn't say Christians, I said by human beings, when it comes to spiritual things, is what happens when I die? That's one of the most commonly asked questions. People are not concerned with trivial questions when they start thinking about their eternity. They're not grading your grammar. They're not critiquing your presentation. They, they just want to know truth. And when their hearts are open to the Holy Spirit, the message gets in. You need to get that. This is God's power, not yours. Uh, a man named Paul in the New Testament, probably one of the greatest sharers of the faith there was, he reminded the Corinthian church when he shared his faith with them. And he's writing in this letter, and in his first letter to him, in chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, he reminds them, listen, my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive, persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you wouldn't trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. And he said, it's not my ability. It's God's that makes the difference. It's not my power that saves people. It's God's power that does it. It's not, it's not my words that make a difference. It's God's power and his ability to use my words and to go in and penetrate an open heart and to save them. So let's take the pressure off ourselves. It, it's, we have to be readily available. You, you might not be able to answer every single question that comes from a skeptic, but you can tell people this. You can tell people where you were before Christ and where you are now. You can tell people that. You, you can tell them what's happened since you gave your life to him. You can pray before you ever have conversations that the Holy Spirit will empower you and prepare the way for you, and he will. And you can know that when you do that, something amazing is going to happen. I would say something supernatural because all you have in your ability is the natural, and it'll fall short. But God doesn't work in the natural. He operates in something so much more powerful than that. And he says, I will empower you. That same church, Paul wrote a second letter to him. And in chapter 3, verses 4 and 6, he told him, look, we dare to say these good things about ourselves only because our great trust in God through Christ, that he will help us to be true to what we say. And not because we think we can do anything of lasting value by ourselves. Our only power and success comes from God. Here's the kicker. He is the one who helped us tell others about this new agreement to save them. You can have confidence knowing that when you share your faith, God is empowering your efforts. You can. Second reason that people don't share their faith, the church, is a lack of consistency. And, and I want to talk about this for a minute because a lot of us fall on this boat and, and we think that we're just not good enough to share our faith. Lack of consistency. The truth be told, uh, for, for many of us, the reason we don't share our faith is because we haven't exactly lived the model Christian life. And we don't think that we're worthy to do it. We, we lack credibility in the faith arena. And we know it. And I just want to tell you, if that's what your issue is, then uh, you need to know you can't go back and change your past. There's nothing you can do to change your past. But you can change now, and you can go forward with God's help. And he'll help you. You need to ask yourself, do, do the people in my family, do the people at work, do the people that I know in my neighborhood, do they see the same person that the church sees when I'm in a church service? Just be honest with yourself. Give yourself that gift of self-awareness. And if not, what are you going to do about it? Let's just get real. What, what Are you going to change? Is this going to be something that you just do on the weekends? Or is this going to be something that you actually take seriously? 
that God Almighty has saved your soul, and you're actually going to take what he gave you, and you're going to make something of it? Or are we going to pretend? It's, it's a lack of consistency. People are watching. Uh, Paul, the same guy, told this young pastor named Timothy, he said, keep a close watch on your life and your doctrine, what, what you believe. He said, because it's going to save yourself and your hearers. Your life, whether you know it or not, has hearers. Your life emanates something, and people see, and people watch, and people see what and hear what it produces. Does what you say you are match what they actually hear and see? There was a, a pastor uh, friend of mine who lived in a, a town on the East Coast, and this town had a tunnel that went under the water and, and traffic jam time. You never wanted to be in there because it was miserable, and people were getting impatient. And he's in there, and there's somebody keeps honking the horn at him. And he's getting more flustered each time. It started out fine, whatever. But then it just kept on, kept on, kept honking the horn. Right about the time he said, I was getting ready to turn and give them a piece of my mind. He turned around and looked really fast. And this woman's smiling. Hey, pastor. (laughs) He said, I'm so glad she said that before I said something. Because I didn't have a clue who she was. But she knew me. And, you know, people are watching you. People are watching. There's a guy recently told me that he got a, a bridge church sticker to put on his car, and then he realized he didn't want to put it on because he liked flipping people off way too much in traffic. And I, <laughs> I didn't want to give the church a bad name. And, and while I appreciate the honesty, what happens in a moment where you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to share your faith with somebody, and it's somebody that you flipped off? <laughs> I mean, think, think about that for a minute. Let's go deeper than that. What happens when it's somebody that you've been rude to because you can't keep control of your anger? What happens when it's somebody that you've cheated or someone that's watched you cheat somebody else and now you have the opportunity to minister to them, but because of the lack of consistency in your life, you're unable because they're not going to hear you. Maybe someone who, who sees that your resources and your time really aren't going to the thing that you say is the most important in your life. And so now you have this opportunity to share your faith with them, but your lack of consistency, they, they don't have the ear for you. People want real. People want truth. In Romans chapter 2, the same guy, Paul, he's writing to the Roman church, and they were pretending to be religious. And he says, you know what? Your lives are speaking something completely different than what you're actually saying, and the people around you see it. And he said this really boldly to them. He says, God's name is blasphemed among the unbelievers there because of you. And I mean, I can imagine what kind of a punch that was to them. We, we say this is the biggest thing in our life, but you're saying that people that don't know Christ around us, that God has a bad name, bad uh, name in their mouths, kind of a bad taste in their mouths for God because of us? Yeah, because you're claiming to be something and you're not doing it. And so it's twisting the way they see Christ. As a Christian, if there's a lack of consistency in your life, it's a, it's a quick remedy, guys. Change. And I know that's easier said than done, but God, you don't do it on your own. God gives you the power to do it. Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. But what good thing in life isn't hard? People will save and save and save for a boat and sacrifice and blood, sweat, and tears and give up this vacations to save for this this trivial thing. A boat's a great thing, but how is that any better than the love of God changing your life? empowering you to change somebody else's? We know sacrifice, and we sacrifice, if I'm being honest, we sacrifice for the thing that we want. Do you care enough about God changing your life to be effective as a Christian? Some of us don't share our faith because of a lack of concern. A lack of concern. It's this kind of, this lackadaisical attitude towards the whole thing. Uh, There was a story, a true story. In 1928 in Massachusetts, a man was on a dock fishing. 
And there was another man on the dock looking at fish, and he fell in, couldn't swim, began thrashing around in the water. And the guy was sitting there reading the paper and did nothing. I don't know why, what he was thinking, but he absolutely did nothing. And so this story got out, obviously, and the people in the town got really angry about it when they realized that he couldn't help and didn't. And the family finally sued him. Um, and the courts, the Massachusetts courts, they realized and they, they ruled that just because he could have helped didn't require him to. It didn't require him to help just because he could. Now, I want you to hear me. Being neutral and indifferent, it might not be uh, illegal, but it's immoral and it's not Christ-like. Now, the law may say you don't have to tell anybody about Jesus Christ. The law may say you don't have to get involved. Uh, but if you ignore the fact that there are thousands of people around you that are dying and literally facing an eternity in hell, and you're doing absolutely nothing to stop it, it, it kind of stops and makes you wonder. I, I have to ask myself the question, what is it in me that I'm capable of standing idly by while people die in their sin? Uh, it's just, it's this real gut punch, guys, and I'm just, I'm taking it just like you. How can I take the attitude that I've got my relationship with Christ and I don't care about others who don't? How can I say I'm, I'm a Christian committed to being Christ-like and not focus on reaching as many as I can? Because here's, here's what we have to compare it to. Jesus is concerned with that. <laughs> and, and to be a Christian, it literally means to be a little Christ, to be Christ-like. And that means we have to, if we're going to say we're Christians, we have to find out the thing that Christ is the most concerned about and let it concern us. Or else we can't call ourselves Christians because it literally means to be Christ-like, to be a little Christ. What is he concerned about? Look at Luke 19.10. Jesus said this, I, the Son of Man, it was an expression that he used, talk about himself being the Son of God, I've come to seek and save those who are lost. That's what he did. That's his purpose. He didn't say, I've come to enjoy the pleasures of earth and surround myself with good things and make certain amount of friends, but then be closed off to others. He didn't say, I've come to establish my comfort zone and then not get out of it. He said, I've come to seek and save those who are lost, and it's so important that I'm going to give my life for it emptying himself out completely, being fully God, but yet submitting himself to being a human in human flesh and, and submitting himself to death. Not just death, death on a cross. Not only is that who he is, but he passed the mantle on to us. And that's why I said in Matthew 28, go, make disciples. Teach them everything that I have commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go, go. I'm going to be with you to the end of the age, but I need you to go. That's, that's the mission. And some of us, we look and we don't share our faith because of a lack of concern. And I would just say, if you're going to be Christ-like, then find out what he's concerned about and let that become your concern. Find out the heart of God and let that be your heart. The last reason many don't share their faith is because of a lack of competence. And most Christians I know, we're, we're motivated to share our faith. We, we have the desire, but there's a number of people who need the Lord around us, and we just not, we're not sure how to do it effectively. Now, later in the series, we're going to talk about how to clearly communicate the message of the gospel in a very practical way and kind of put some tools in your hand. But the result of not being sure is you get timid and you never say anything. And you know what that means? This, this is the result of that. It means the really overly zealous, aggressive, obnoxious people that call themselves Christians, they're the only ones that get heard. <laughs> you may think, well, I'll just play it safe. I don't, I'm going to cause more harm than good. 
And what happens a lot of times is, is the next so-called Christian that just wants to get out there and beat a Bible over somebody's head, they're the ones that get heard. And so the ones that truly have a desire to share Christ and share the good news of Jesus Christ, we get, we get stifled because we, we don't feel like we have the competence. Like, like a guy on, a, on, on the bus one time, he, he was just hitting people over the head with the Bible. Everybody who got on, he just wanted to tell them, you know, you better repent or you're going to burn, you know. And, and, and he kept doing this every day. One time, a, a drunk guy got on the bus, and he said, you know you're going to hell? And the drunk guy said, you mean I got on the wrong bus again? <laughs> Listen, people don't need to be hit over the head with a two-ton Bible. They need to see authentic Christianity in action. They need to see Christ in you. They need to hear the truth that heaven and hell do exist, and you need to be able to clearly communicate the reason for the faith that you have. But you need to do it in a way that's Christ-like. And as we go through this series, I want to shed some light on what the Bible has to say about it. But this is what I want you to walk away with today. As a Christian, our job is to grow in relationship with God and be ready to point other people to him. I want to say that again. Our job as a Christian is to grow in our own personal relationship with Christ and be ready to point other people to him, to be highly potent. Not to be neutral, not to just walk around kind of aloof to the everything, but to be highly potent. Because you know what? We've got the greatest story in humanity to tell. That the God of the universe became a man and died for our sins and took care of the sin problem that was forcing us into an eternity in hell. And we could do nothing about it. But now here comes this, this God who the Bible says at just the right time he came and died for our sins while we had our backs turned to him. And when we repent and when we believe in him and when we walk out our faith that we'll have everlasting life in Jesus Christ, in heaven. And, and, and while we're waiting for eternity to get here, the Bible says that we can walk to the very throne room of God through prayer in Jesus Christ to find grace and mercy in our time of need. Whatever that need happens to be, that's the power of God. That's the greatest story ever told. And we need to be highly potent with that story and be ready to share that faith. He gave us the greatest gift in all of humanity, and there are people that don't realize it. And we need to be ready to share that faith with them. Can I give you three things real quick to be? We'll talk about how to share your faith later, but I want to give you three things as you think about your readiness to share your faith. Number one, real quick, be, be credible. Credibility is the key to anybody taking you seriously. If you're not credible, then they're not going to hear you. Let's get real for a minute. You, you don't want to uh, uh, learn from a fat person how to lose weight. Can we just be honest? Yeah, you don't want financial advice from somebody who's broke and, and plays the lottery and just wastes all their money or gambles their money away. You're not going to take advice from them. Why? Because they're not credible. If you're going to be ready to share your faith, then, then do what the Bible says and live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Earn the right by the way you live for someone to open their ear to you. Be credible. Secondly, be real. Be real. Guys, there are so many surveys out there that the number one characteristic that people look for in religious leaders or people that are sharing their faith this way is sincerity. They want sincerity. Not, not the kind George Burns talks about. He was a comedian. He said that the key to success is sincerity. And once you've learned to fake that, you're on your way. <laughs> that, that's not the kind. The fact is people have heard and seen enough insincere Christians. They're, they're tired of that, and they get really nervous whenever people start to talk about religion. So you're not going to win them over by, by music or sermons or, you know, they want something real. They want someone that's living out their faith, someone that cares about them, and they know it. So be real. You'll be a highly potent Christian if you're credible and if you're real. And lastly, be sacrificial. 
Be credible, be real, and be sacrificial. People that don't know Christ, they're not, they're not particularly impressed by your theological knowledge or your perfect attendance pins because you've come to church service. You know what? They're ultimately not impressed with those things because those things don't meet their true need. Their, their true need is, is this emptiness inside of them that they feel they might not be able to put their finger on it, but they feel empty. I was talking to a guy the other day who, who isn't necessarily a believer. He's open to the things of God, but he's not a believer in Jesus Christ. And you know what he says? He says, I don't have peace on the inside. And I talked with him for a little bit, and he didn't make a decision and realize that, that Christ was the answer right then. But he's still walking around with emptiness on the inside. And this is a, this is a guy who I'm thinking, man, if, if, if you could find peace, you'd have done it already. People are, are empty and buildings and church services and, and material things, that doesn't satisfy somebody's need. You know what? You know what satisfies somebody's need is when you give something up for them. When you give of yourself, you set, lay yourself down and do what the scripture says and think of someone else better than yourself. It blows them away. They can't understand why you would do that. But let me tell you what that does. It points them to something because it resembles something. More specifically, it resembles someone. It resembles a man by the name of Jesus who the Bible says gave up heaven, emptied himself out, and came to this earth and sacrificed himself. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says that, you know what, we got to have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to, but instead he gave up his design privileges, his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Being a human being when you're God, that's, that's, that's being a slave. He said, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. When you sacrifice yourself like that, you're not pointing people to you because our humanity, we, we can't accept that. <laughs> we, we naturally put ourselves first. When you lay yourself down for somebody else, it always points back to Jesus Christ. So be credible, be real, be sacrificial. That'll get you ready to be a highly potent Christian to share your faith. So I want to ask you a question. When, when I talk about being a, a highly potent Christian, uh, Christian which, which person best describes you? Are you that, that Coast Guardsman that I talked about in the beginning that's, that's laying down, looking, intently looking for, for that lost person? Or are you the guy reading the newspaper on the dock, just completely lackadaisical to everything that's going on around you? Are you willing to share your faith as a command not as an option, not as a good thing, but as a command. Because Jesus, the last thing he said before he went to heaven was, you gotta, you gotta make disciples. I didn't come to die just for you 12. I, I came so that you could have life and you could share it. You're the light of the world. Because I was the light of the world. I am the light and I'm, I'm putting that light in you and nobody takes a, a lamp and puts a cover on it. No, they open it up for everybody to see. And that's what we're supposed to be. Are you ready to take on the mantle of, of being a, a highly potent Christian? There's a couple of things just very practically that we want to put in your hands. One is that Easter invite kit. You find it. Can you find it right where you're at? You, were, you gave it to you whenever you first walked in. And in there are several different things. Um, one, a couple of things in there is a just because card. And it's, it's got our Easter service times on it. Guys, listen to me for a minute. I know you're fumbling through, but listen. Easter is one of the most uh, highly attended services in, of the year. Between that and, and Christmas, Easter is, is, is the top one. Are, are we just interested in getting numbers here? Absolutely not. 
I don't care. I don't care if we have 10,000 people at this church. I want to know that people are coming here and they're hearing a message and they might be the only time they hear it. And, and, and statistics say that when you invite somebody to church that's never been and it's, it's somebody that you know, 82% are likely to say yes. And I know this. I know that we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ and how he is the hope of the world. And there are some opportunities for you to invite people. is one way that you can be a highly potent Christian and say, would you consider coming to church with me on Easter Sunday? And on the back of that, it's a, it's a just because card. And what, what that is, is it says you just experienced a random act of kindness. There's so many things you can do in the community to help somebody. Uh, the, some of the more common ones are you pay for someone's meal in a drive-thru and, and you give them that card and say, hey, would you hand that to the person behind me? I'm, I've got their tab. And so they say your meal's paid for and here's a, a just because card. You've just experienced a random act of kindness. You, you can leave a, a really large tip if, if you're able to do so and you can leave a just because card. And it's just different ways of not just inviting someone to a church service, but sharing your faith, sacrificing of yourself and letting people know that, you know what, there's people out there that are actually not just saying they're Christians, but there's people out there that are actually living a life like Jesus lived. And I'm telling you, it opens up their hearts. It makes them pliable. It's one of the ways that you can share your faith. We wanted to give that to you. Yes, it has the Easter service times on there because we're going to be sharing the, the faith. Look, I don't want you to go tell your saved friends to come to here, uh, come here on Easter. I don't want you to go, oh, you've been going to that church over there and you really like it. Well, won't you come check out ours? Easter's going to be huge. I don't want you to do that. Can I just be honest with you for a minute? Can I be real? We need the seat space for unbelievers. We're having three services on Easter, and I want to pack them out, and I want, to, I want unbelievers to be here. So you're never going to hear me say this a lot, um, but I mean it in my heart. I'm saying it all the time on the inside. Don't invite your saved friends here who have churches somewhere else. That's not what the church is. Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. And I want you to be able to do that in your lives. And when you come here on the weekends to celebrate with, with other believers, invite your unsafe friends. And that's one of the ways you can do that. Also, in there is a prayer card. And I want you to write down the people that you are going to be inviting to Easter and start praying for them right now. Start praying that God will open up their hearts and open up their minds to be able to say yes, to be able to be pliable. Did you know that the Holy Spirit goes before you and can do the work in their lives long before you ever utter the first word? The Bible says you have access to God, and even when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. Even when all you can get out is a groan, the Bible says that he takes that and he intercedes and speaks to the Father on your behalf. Go to prayer for the people that you are inviting. Some of you have unsaved loved ones, family that you care about so much, and just the thought of them spending an eternity in hell just brings you to tears. You can pray for them. Put them on that card. Begin praying for them. And on Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, we're going to do things a little bit different. And part of that is we're, it's, a, it's a one last time push together as a church to pray for those people that we've written on these cards. So I want you to take advantage of what's in that packet. Yeah, it's cool. It's got some cool graphics on there. Guys, but the heart of what we're doing is so much more important than just the, how it's packaged. Take advantage of it and, and begin to pray. Be a highly potent Christian. Um, I want to tell you about a couple of other things that are coming up. On April 13th, it's a Saturday, we're going to be having a day of prayer. And that's going to be happening across all of our locations. We're going to be doing it right here at the Bridge Goldsboro. Um, and you can go on the app or the website and click on events. And you can sign up for a 30-minute time slot during the day. I think we have eight people per time slot. So if there's specific times, go on there and go ahead and sign up. And you can come to this church. You'll be, you'll be, there'll be a host here. You'll be given kind of a guided prayer. Um, of what we need to be praying for. And it's just a time to, from 8 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at night, saturating this church body in prayer. 
Would you commit to do that? I know some of you work crazy schedules and you may not be able to get to the building, but I want as many of you as possible, ourselves included, our whole senior leadership team is going to take part in it, to take part in this, to, to be a church that says, you know what, we, we want to pray. We want to pray for the needs of this church. We're going to be praying for the kind of twofold. One, there's going to be needs for our, our community, our uh, our nation, the overall needs of the Bridge Church, and then there's going to be some specific things for the Bridge Goldsboro that we'll pray that'll just be on our cards whenever you come in here. And so you, you can go on the app and register. You have to register for a certain time slot. We'll be able to get that and, and kind of know who's coming. Uh, and the reason for that is, is we don't want, you know, 100 people to show up at one time and then nobody, you know, different time. We want to kind of cover the whole day in prayer. So go on there, peruse through, pick out what time you want to come, and just take 30 minutes and come out to the building. There'll be some music on, and we can just pray. It'll be, it'll be something that you can do that makes an, a, a real difference. Um, and then along with this, we're going to be doing a fast together. And every location is doing this from March 31st to April 20th. It's a 21-day fast. And uh, fasting is simply this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because there's some information I want to point you to. But I, wanna, I want you to know fasting is a, is a powerful way. Hear me. When you put aside the flesh nature, the physical things, and you become more sensitive to the, what God is doing in your spirit. Biblical fasting is simply this. It's when you do without food for a spiritual purpose. You know, people fast all different kinds of things, but it's sacrificing your flesh nature to become more sensitive to what God is doing in your spirit. On the app, there you'll see a little graphic there. It says fasting. You can click on it. It's got a lot more info about fasting. There's actually a couple book references as well if you desire that. Um, but we're going to be doing that together as a church. Some of the most powerful things happened in the scriptures that we read during a fast or after a fast. Um, sometimes when they just decided to fast, God showed up in miraculous ways. And I don't know what kind of needs you have in your life or you need something supernatural to take place because you've tried everything and you don't know where to turn. God hears when people sacrifice their flesh and open up their spirits to them. Fasting is the best way to do that. So I'll, I'll stop there. Please go read more about that. But we're going to be doing that on March 31st through April 20th. Easter is April 21st, so we decided to stop it on April 20th. It sounds kind of funny, but... Uh, Easter dinner is a big thing around here. <laughs> so we, we didn't want you to be fasting on that day. Um, sounds kind of funny when I say it that way, but God's going to hear us when we fast. He will. He's going to hear us even more. I, I believe it with my whole heart. So take part in those things. April 13th, day of prayer and a fast together. Will you commit to do that? There's small steps that we can take to be highly potent Christians. I can't wait to see you next week. Let me pray for you before we go. God, we're grateful for the opportunity to live our lives in you. We love you, Lord. God, we can't even begin to imagine the sacrifice that you that you've made to come and save us. Lord, for some of us, we've heard it over and over again our whole lives. Others of us, the, the story is so new and so fresh. Lord, but the fact is, is that we're all human beings breathing air, and we're all tempted in much the same ways. Your word says that there is, no, uh, there is no problem, there is no trial that's outside of just what's common to mankind. We all experience the same stuff. And we're grateful for you, God. We're grateful that you came, Lord, and you sacrificed for us so that we could overcome those things. And eventually one day we could go into eternity in heaven and hell is taken completely off the table. Not by our efforts, God, but yours. We're grateful for that, Father. And we want to be able, willing, and useful to you as we walk out and share our faith. 
Maybe for some of us in the, the room or somebody listening online right now, you, the relationship issue isn't, isn't there in terms of humans. The relationship issue is between you and God. You've never accepted him in your life. And you've heard us talking about being a highly potent Christian. And maybe that's not your starting place. Maybe your starting place is I, I need to accept him. I, I need to repent. My life needs to be changed. And I want you to know that can happen right this very second. There is no time lapse. There is no, there is no uh, period of time that goes by. God says he meets you right where you are in the very moment. And I wonder if you'd be willing to pray this prayer in your heart. God hears you. That's the beautiful thing. He made you. He hears your heart. Would you, would you echo this in your heart and mean it? God, I need you. I can't do this alone. I can't save myself. I can do lots of, of quote, good things on this earth. But, Lord, your word says that my, my goodness is like filthy rags compared to a righteous, perfect God. Romans says that nobody's good. Everybody is worthless compared to the perfection of God. We can't stand in the presence of a perfect God and, and try to compare ourselves. It just doesn't work. We like All we can do is fall flat on our face. So we know we need you, and I need you. And, Lord, I want you to come into my life. I accept Jesus as my sacrifice. He lived this life perfectly and died, spilled his blood, perfect blood, because the Bible says the, the wages, the price of sin, my imperfection is death. I couldn't die that death because I'm not perfect, but Jesus did. And, and what was even better is he raised from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe he's your son, and I believe he did those things for me, and I believe you raised him. I don't know how it all pans out or works, but I, I have faith in that and believe. So, Lord, from here on out, I, I just give you permission to have authority in my life. And I thank you. I believe that the Holy Spirit right now is going to help me. That's what the Bible says, that the Holy Spirit lives in me, that gives me and teaches me and reminds me of everything that Jesus said. So I commit to you. I commit to reading your word, not as an academic thing necessarily, but, but just knowing you more. Help me as I walk this life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, if you prayed that prayer just real fast, I want you to know that I am so grateful that you prayed that prayer. Uh, it, it, it's the be best, best thing because everything that we've talked about today is all about sharing our faith, is all about having Christ inside of us. So if you prayed that prayer, don't keep it to yourself. On your Connect card, there's a box that says, I prayed to receive Christ. I want you to take a second and check that box and turn it in at the ushers. We want to surround you. We want to help give you some next steps. We want to pray for you. If you have prayer requests, put those on your Connect card as well. Guys, that Connect card's a resource to you. And I want you to know that we take them very seriously. So reach out to us through your Connect card. We will get with you. We'll help you in any way that, that, you, uh, that you need. Love you guys so much. We're going to be continuing this series next week. Let's go out and be some highly potent Christians this week. Can we do that? All right. See you next time.